Welcome to the Energy Environment Economy Podcast, a production of the Environmental Business Council of New England. My name is Anne Geisinger. I'm Executive Director at EBC and your host for this episode. Here at Energy Environment Economy, we talk about the business of the environment, from stormwater management to coastal construction, brownfields redevelopment, grid modernization, the list goes on. Welcome back. We are on part two of a three-part series highlighting the winners of EBC's annual Ascending Leader Award. Real quick, it's an award that was established in 2017. It highlights the incredible emerging leaders in the energy and environmental industries. And 2023's seven winners are going to come together across three podcast episodes with one exception. She's on family leave to talk about their careers, the work they do within the energy and environmental industries. So today in this second part of the series, I'm talking with Will Chandler, a project manager and wastewater infrastructure expert with Weston Sampson and Lauren Karam, an associate air quality and climate attorney with Beverage and Diamond. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. So the idea for this episode is to talk a little bit about the actual work that you do um, and what is the environmental impact that it has. I think it's sort of a little little known industry in sort of the wider general world. And I think there's actually a lot to talk about in terms of the, the positive impact that we all have as consultants and lawyers, engineers, et cetera, on the environment. So let's learn a little bit more about what you guys do. And then um, maybe we can talk about some cool projects you've done and um, other work that you've done that that's had some really interesting and great uh, impact. So uh, let's start with Lauren. Tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today um, as an environmental attorney. Sure. So as you mentioned, um, I'm an associate at the law firm Beverage and Diamond, which is a firm that exclusively does environmental and energy work. So air, water, waste, um, you know, I do some litigation, but I would say the large part of my job is really counseling clients on how to comply with environmental laws. From my perspective, it's really fun. It's very problem solving. And it's really just, you know, trying to keep a grip on what's happening at the state level, the federal level. And, you know, again, just helping clients understand the law and comply with the law. So previous to joining Beverage and Diamond, I was an attorney with the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection, so MassDEP. And there I was in the Bureau of Air um, and Waste. So I primarily worked on air and climate regulations, which um, was very exciting. I mean, Massachusetts is a very front runner state on climate law, and that was a really, really great experience. And I got to work with a wide array of people at the agency. That's my background. That's how I got to where I am now. Well, the bigger question is, what drew you to law school? And were you always focused on environmental law or did it come to you through some experiences? It's a good question. I actually went to law school right after college. And when I was in college, I um, I did my undergrad at Hobart and William Smith, which is a small college in upstate New York. And I was a public policy major. So I was really just exploring all kinds of topics in political science and I guess philosophy. And I had thought about going to law school, but I wasn't really sold. And then I, I took an environmental policy class my junior year. And that was really eye-opening because Actually, at the time, a big topic was fracking, so you know, mm. gas extraction. And it was a big deal in upstate New York because there's natural gas underlying New York State, and they were doing a lot of fracking in Pennsylvania. So you know, there were a lot of proponents in New York and, and people against it, and ultimately that they never um, did fracking, and, and the governor at the time banned it. But um, it was just really interesting to hear both sides of the debate. And so 
I did go to law school. I went to Suffolk and Boston. And so I went into law school, you know, uh, definitely interested in environmental law, but I was still pretty open-minded. But the more classes I took and the more internships I did, I really focused in environmental law. So I had actually interned at MassDEP, where I later went on to work. So that was kind of full circle. Um, I also spent some time interning with the Department of Justice in their environmental enforcement section. So that gave me exposure to some really interesting, uh, mostly CERCLA cleanup sites, which for those listening who don't know what that is, um, it's site remediation. So, you know, properties that are really dirty sites. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Dirty, dirty dirt, as they say. So um, and I'm sure Will could speak to this, too. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of historical um, litigation to clean up these sites. And, you know, back in the day, they didn't know, you know, maybe things that were bad for the environment. And so there's a lot of legacy sites, especially here in New England. So I got some exposure to that. And yeah, I would say by the time I was graduating law school, you know, I was really sold on doing environmental law. And yeah, I haven't regretted it. <laughs> That's great. Um, I mean, I and I'll probably talk about this later too, but, you know, I think it's a really growing industry. I mean, it's just funny, even in the few years that I've been practicing, there's been um, a lot of growth and a lot of change. And it just feels like, you know, it's not like the work is going away. I mean, there's just constantly new things on the horizon. So it's it's very exciting. That's great. Thanks, Lauren. And Will, what do you do now and how did you get to where you are? Currently, and I guess for the past a uh, little bit less than a decade, I've been a consulting engineer. And we'll get into some of the details of what that really comprises later. But in summary, basically, uh, if you understand what an architect does in designing a house, that's what we do, but with treatment plants or pump stations or pipelines or whenever someone wants to build a project, we design it, we help oversee it, we help make it a reality. So uh, if you have asked me what a consulting engineer does in like my sophomore year of college, I would not have been able to answer <laughs> I feel like it's kind of an ambiguous thing. Like everyone knows what an engineer is effectively, but like what does the day-to-day work of an engineer comprise? I think people it have a hard time with that. And it's also because there's like, it's a very broad category. There are different types of engineers doing all sorts of different types of things. Um, I was never particularly drawn to being an engineer when I was younger. I think I, I similarly didn't really understand what it was. But I just thought it was like a practical thing and thought that it would probably be a good thing to pursue when I was in my high school years. But contributing to that and more towards how I ended up proceeding, I've always really liked nature. Like I like being outside. I like the woods. I like uh, particularly rivers. I grew up fly fishing in remote Maine. And I think that that experience, that appreciation really has always been sort of a, a core characteristic in deciding how I I go about decisions and what I value. And uh, at that point in my life in high school, when I'm trying to make a decision about where to go to school, what to study, I had taken some environmental sciences classes. I really liked that. And I also just have this sort of undercurrent, no pun intended, of mm-hmm. appreciating these rivers that I would fish in and these environments. And so making that decision at the time, getting into an environmental engineering program at uh, University of Vermont and also 
uh, not coincidentally the proximity to mountain the death. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I elected for that path. And in the coursework, I became drawn mostly towards environmental chemistry. Uh, and similarly thinking about um, water contamination, remediation, it was all very interesting. Environmentalism, the places that I really enjoy was very appealing. And the particularly interesting work that I was exposed to and that I've now pursued is related to uh, water and wastewater treatment. And it's a very important and meaningful, but just kind of real and uh, practical way of helping protect and sustain those environments, these places that I really love. So after graduating, I moved out to Vancouver, British Columbia and got engaged in the consulting engineering space. And I worked out there for a few years, uh, working for a, a regional civil engineering firm. And that is sort of the, the pivot towards more infrastructure because there's all of the environmental remediation, chemistry, laws, et cetera. Like there's all these different, different pathways you can follow in the industry that's adjacent to the environment. But the infrastructure, A, was just interesting to me as it's this intersection of, of industry and perhaps activism, but more just real effective protection and doing cool projects, whether it was thinking marine outfalls or building new treatment plants in rural British Columbia, that was very exciting and very meaningful to the communities we were working in. So I did that for a few years and then moved down to Austin, Texas and did a similar thing in a different area. And Austin's another great location, very different environment in a lot of different ways, very different physical environment and economy and drivers for the industry and doing very cool population-based projects around their like regional long-term water supply planning and distribution and wastewater reuse for irrigation and different functional purposes around the city of Austin that you don't just don't have in other places in the country because it's not as important. And now after having been there for a while, moved back up to Massachusetts, I'd be working with Weston and Samson. And again, there's all sorts of different projects or different problems really. And around here also sort of just chronologically, like climate change, coastal resilience is much more important, particularly here than it was in say the Gulf coast, but there are very interesting, important projects happening around here in all different avenues related to coastal resilience. But the work that we're doing now is making sure that the critical wastewater infrastructure is not going to be washed away. And that will continue to sort of found that civilized aspect of our society to right. these changing environmental conditions. There's a reason Boston Harbor is cleaner now than it was before. <laughs> um, and I was just at uh, EBC's Rhode Island chapter. They had a like a winter party last night. I was talking to an engineer who works for Narragansett Bay Commission, and I was asking him, well, how about what's going on with your tunnel? Because they're um, building this huge tunnel to help with stormwater management. And in that Providence area, they've already implemented one of these big tunnels. Basically, they're trying to figure out a way to collect a bunch of the 
water when you have a big rain event you need a place for all that stormwater to go and um they've already did it for one of their parts of their systems and they're implementing i think this is the third phase or something but the point is that the harbor and water around providence is so much cleaner now than it used to be that they've been able to open up some shellfish beds for shellfishing and they might even be able to um, reopen or open up some beach areas public beach areas and i think it's east providence which is sort of a I would I think it's considered an environmental justice area, which is fantastic for recreation, getting outside. So, you know, wastewater work is super important. And it's as you say, like it flies under the radar for a lot of people. We'd be living in a very different place. But we would be living in a very different place. That's right. So <laughs> we need wastewater management and people to design and engineer the systems. And that's what somebody like you is doing, right? Well, <laughs> exactly. So Will touched on a little bit that, you know, you had no idea what a consulting engineer was when you were in college. And I think that that can be the case. I had no clue of this industry when I was in college. So where have there been touch points with folks in this industry, if there were any, leading up to your eventual joining in as an environmental attorney or as um, a consulting engineer, as you did well? Lauren, Lauren, did you have like, you were talking about taking some classes in environmental policy, was there any discussion of environmental law within that? And that's kind of what got you started? Yeah. You know, when I think back like 10 years ago when I was sitting in the environmental policy class, I think, you know, there was just so much talk about climate change. And, you know, obviously today there still is, but I'm I'm almost cautiously optimistic that that nowadays we're so much farther down the line in that conversation that it's just more integrated in, in everything we do. So um so, yeah, I mean, I think that probably really piqued my interest in, OK, well, how can I be a lawyer who is is somehow ingrained or working on climate change or, or climate issues? And, you know, fast forward, I, I work at DEP and I was working on policy. I mean, that really kind of, I think, advanced the tra trajectory. And so now, you know, in the private sector, representing clients who are trying to understand these regulations and comply with them and and really um, focus on how things are developing. It, it's kind of fun to watch as we, you know, progress. So I think that's actually kind of, I don't want to say a happy ending. So we still have a lot of work to do, but I think we're getting there. When you were wondering about, are there places for me in law that can move forward environmental work? Did you Google it? Did you talk to <laughs> professors? Like, how did you make that eventual connection? Or was it just like literally just going to law school and then seeing professors who work in this space or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because I, you know, at the time I probably wasn't aware of of much else besides, you know, EPA in terms of who's sure. doing environmental work. So in law school, you know, I did spend a lot of time interning with government agencies and I probably didn't have a very strong understanding of what was going on in the private sector. So a lot of it's just been kind of, I think, learned by uh, doing various jobs and, you know, public and private. Yeah. And I also think there's a lot more jobs that now that didn't exist 10 years ago and a lot right. more practice areas within environmental law. You know, one topic that comes to mind, you mentioned environmental justice, EJ, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of work there. ESG, which is environmental social governance. And that is a continually, you know, growing area of, of work, especially for us in the private sector. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of new and exciting cutting edge things, I would say. What about you, Will? You were you were mentioning you had no no real clue of what it meant to be a consulting engineer. Were there opportunities to learn about the industry when you were in college? 
or was it just, okay, I've graduated. Now I need to get a job. What am I going to do? <laughs> well, particularly because I was engaged in this environmental engineering program. Right. There were a lot of, a lot of the conversations were about how to apply this to these environmental industries, what the industries were. And I think somewhat organically through that process, it became apparent that like these engineering firms exist and that they work in this space. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed to me to be a way in which I could really practice as an engineer doing the engineering that I wanted that was diverse and design oriented and um and impactful while still being more engaged in industry and doing like construction adjacent work and things that are real and uh, sort of grounded in the natural world so i think over time my perception of that that industry the environmental aspect has just sort of strengthened and developing more of a substantial understanding of what the impacts are of our work and appreciating all the different people involved and, and how I can contribute in that way. I think you make a very good point that the work that you're able to do as somebody who got an engineering degree is connected to real projects that have actual physical things in the world. Like your wastewater treatment plant is a real thing <laughs> that exists that you can sort of boots on the ground, walk around, you, you're engineering, I'm assuming, like aspects of how it works and the treatment processes and working with lab people on the uh, management of contaminants and all kinds of stuff. So it's marrying this idea of, I really want to work in something real. I want to be able to touch it and see what it's doing and work with it, but also connect it to sort of a more amorphous, like, and I also want to have a positive impact on the environment somehow. <laughs> so that's kind of a cool way to talk about the work of an engineer in the environment. Whereas I think Lauren has this, sounds like focus more on, we need policy and regulation. We need somebody helping guide the private sector on what to do and how to do it well so that we are following, you know, minimum contamination levels for certain you know, uh, chemicals or we're following, you know, certain guidelines for when do we need to take in climate change into uh, account when we're building an airport or whatever it might be. So I, I really was happy that you guys were both to be able to be on here at the same time because that's two very different ways to think about it. But for any students out there looking for pathways, there's a lot of pathways and a lot of diversity in how you can have a positive environmental impact on the world through being an engineer or through being an attorney and and working in very different ways, but with the same end goal. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I've worked specifically with Lauren, but I've worked with a lot of lawyers in the right. field. And they're very complementary and coordinated and relevant to the whole process. You need different professionals and knowledge bases to effectively and I was I was just going to say, um, you know, for the listeners, lawyers and, you know, engineers and consultants, we all work together. I mean, it, it, it's so funny because I think back to my early days when I was at DEP and there was just so much I didn't know. I mean, anything technical, anything about 
you know, pollutants or, or chemicals. I mean, I was constantly picking up the phone and calling our, you know, environmental analysts and engineers within the department because I was so reliant on learning from them. And, and that's still true. So, so, and that's actually, I think, a really fun part of my job. I don't know, Will, maybe you're sick of the lawyers, but it's, it's a really fun, collaborative, you know, working environment. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, it, we, I feel like we have two distinct perspectives that are very similar and uh, just different components of these relationships and the teams that are used to accomplish these projects. And like nothing today is simple. Uh, <laughs> and especially these things that we're trying to do and affecting positive change with the environment and protecting our natural spaces and uh, preserving our society and the way that we interact with the world. Like it's a very complicated thing and you have to rely on other people and you have to have a lot of professionals and experts and specializations. And there are in all of those niches ways for people to be involved in a really important way. So on that note, Will, just thinking about you have an actual engineering degree. If a student or somebody wanting to join the industry is not really that into engineering, but kind of loves the idea of hands-on work or working with wastewater treatment or these real infrastructure type projects, where do they slot in if they're a boots on the ground kind of person or like a hands-on kind of person, but don't want to be an engineer? Well, there's a lot of ways, um, specifically in the projects that we execute, uh, I work with people without engineering degrees in the design process, in the construction process, uh, in working with our clients at municipalities who own and maintain these systems, who organize and execute their capital improvements plans, and that manage these projects with contractors who actually build the things, uh, and, and also with system operators, which traditionally has not been as glorious a profession, but especially today and especially in a place like Massachusetts in the Northeast, where the effluent criteria for treatment facilities is increasingly strict and in the permit requirements are increasingly complex with micro constituents and the different complex aspects of these treatment systems where we're using membrane filtration and um, these very complex control logic that the operations aspect is becoming increasingly difficult and it takes skilled people to be able to actually operate these facilities and that doesn't require an engineering degree. And my understanding is we're sort of in desperate need of a new generation of system operators. Uh, a lot of them started working 40 years ago and have been working in that industry for 40 years and are retiring. And we need people to, you know, maintain these facilities and make sure we're all getting clean, wa clean water, you know, somebody's. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, um, beyond that, the process, the, the systems that are in use are so different today than they were then. And, uh, I, there are a number of examples that I've looked on where the process is complex and it takes sophisticated operators. And without them, it's not going to work. So. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So Lauren, who are some of your clients that you work with now? When you were at DEP, I'm, I'm assuming you're on the back end of the regulatory process. You're kind of looking through uh, past regulations, advising on, you know, as advising the government on, well, we think this is the right way forward for this regulation. And because of these reasons, now you're working in with private clients who are doing what? Yeah. So I would say the clients I work with really um, range. So they could be, um, you know, big manufacturing companies. They could be smaller companies who are kind of um, just starting to grapple with the regulations and and understand the framework and in, in their jurisdictions, and companies you may not even think um, that would need environmental counsel. Again, there's just such a growing area of environmental regulation that it really, I think, applies to most industries. So, but I, but I would say manufacturing is probably the most representative. So, you know, chemical manufacturing, product manufacturing. You know, any sort of facility that, you know, I, I do love air work. So any facility that has any sort of air emission, you know, th they need they generally need environmental counsel. Yeah, they're they're being required by the government to be very careful about what they put in the air. Right. And Correct. And there's permitting. So right. and I did some of that when I was with DEP and, and I, I really like that work. And, you know, back to environmental justice, I think that's just on the radar of so many clients now. I mean, you want to build a project. There's likely um, going to be some steps you need to take if you're near an, e an EJ community. So, you know, from my perspective, it's it's kind of, it was, it's it's fun that I was on the policy end starting off and like really getting a lot of these um, policies and laws off the ground in Massachusetts. And now I'm on the other side where, you know, I'm counseling clients to comply with them. That's very cool. All right. So there must be something you really enjoy about the work that you do. Otherwise you wouldn't keep doing it. And I bet there's something surprising about the work that you do that you would never have anticipated or couldn't have imagined. Um, and when friends ask you, you're like, yeah, I do this and it's crazy. I can't believe I do this. So um, how about Will? What do you think is, you know, the best part of your job, the thing that you enjoy most and what's the most surprising? I think what probably has surprised me most about uh, the work that I do and what I actually like, and it's kind of funny being on the conversation with Lauren here because it's like playing <laughs> lawyer junior. Because <laughs> a lot of the work of an engineer is contract-based and particularly the construction phase in negotiating these relationships between the owner and the contractor and the permitting entities and sort of helping advise and progress and mediate uh, all while working from the contract as a basis. Very detail-oriented, very rule-based. I just really enjoy coordinating that and negotiating with contractors and these different perspectives that are often so different uh, and at times uh, contentious. And the fact being in these circumstances that we all really have the same objective, it's just trying to get people to understand that and operate as a team. So it's, it's not any, the design is fun. I like creating and I like seeing things that I've designed become a reality and walking by what was just a, an empty, there's a new project we're just finishing right now in Barnstable where it was this old gas station site. And now there's this uh, large 
new pump station there with this a big building and big equipment and it's a, a totally new use and it's really beneficial it's expanding this long plan by the town for uh, expanded sewer service throughout the cape which is a very big deal these days and it's just real progress uh so that's fun but what i most find out of just uh, doing contract battles <laughs> Interesting. All right. <laughs> Not what I would want to do, but I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> what about you, Lauren? Well, that's funny. Um, and I think we've touched on this, but the collaborative nature of our work, I think, is really what keeps me interested and engaged. And, you know, one thing that's funny is someone like me, you know, I have no science background. So it is funny when you're really, you know, uh, deep into a case and you're like learning all the science behind a chemical or or something now like you know PFAS is a huge topic and so really like getting in the weeds on the science I just think is so funny for someone like me who really doesn't have science background um so it's cool you're always learning something new so that is really interesting and then another thing that comes to mind is um, being at a private firm we do some pro bono work so you know, representing nonprofits or or clients who traditionally, you know, can't can't pay for legal services. So that is really interesting because it's just it's just so different from my other day to day work. And one thing I've been able to work on is representing a land trust that um, holds conservation restrictions throughout um, New England. And um, a conservation restriction is um, you know, it re- restricts how you can develop land and and really has the purpose of you know, keeping open, undeveloped land and parks and, you know, maintaining nature, which I think is another theme that we've touched on. And so being a part of that is is really rewarding um, because I think that is a constant throughout our industry is that we all really love the environment. I mean, Will mentioned fly fishing. I mean, we're skiing. We're just enjoying, you know, we live in a beautiful part of the country. And I think, you know, um, keeping that at, at top of mind is is really great. Great. That's awesome. I love to hear about all that great work that you guys are doing and all the things that kind of keep you motivated day to day. So that's a good thing to sort of wrap on. I have one final question that I ask all of my guests, and it's what's capturing your attention this week? And it can be anything. It does not have to be related to work, but it can be if you want it to be. Um, but just like what's what have you been reading about or listening to or thinking about a lot lately? Uh, let's go with Will. <laughs> Uh, well, it's hard to ignore all of this crazy winter weather we're having. So that's pretty <laughs> present on my mind and planning some ski trips and hoping that the weather coordinates or cooperates rather. Yeah. So uh, and we're, we're heading up to Vermont this weekend. I'm hoping that the storm does not impact that plan too much. We are similarly going to New Hampshire this weekend. So I agree. Um, my four and a half year old is learning to ski this season <laughs> fun yeah so it doesn't really matter if there's good snow or any snow really but <laughs> having a completely rained out mountain isn't ideal so you know hopefully there'll be some snow he can take his lesson yeah. <laughs> right lauren what about you what's keep keeping your attention this week um well i hope you both get some fresh snow because that's <laughs> much more enjoyable um so I would say, and I mentioned previously, ESG, which is just a really hot topic. Um, and, you know, I think there's no shortage of developments and constantly there's articles on ESG and what's happening, what it means. But I think the biggest thing that's on my mind is the SEC is supposed to be coming out with a rule um, that's going to be e- 
ESG focused and they've delayed it, I think, three times now. So they're saying now that this spring, um, so April 2024, I think is the new like expected date. But, um, you know, a lot of people are waiting with bated breath and including myself because I'm really curious to see, you know, the impacts of that and, and what it's going to mean for the industry. Yeah, I know that our climate change committee is really thinking about that and they wanted to try to have a date on the calendar to try to have a program about it. But then, of course, it keeps getting delayed. So like, <laughs> exactly optimistic about trying to plan a program around the SEC ESG stuff. But, you know, we might have to be flexible. So, <laughs> well, thank you both for spending some time talking about your careers and the work that you do. It's really great to hear about um, all the great stuff that you've been doing and really focus in on why it's important, why it has a great impact on the environment. Um and why you guys are moving things forward in the climate space and wastewater treatment, keep giving us clean drinking water, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for joining. Thank, thank you. you I hope you found today's episode energizing. The environmental and energy industries sort of fly under the radar as options for students interested in pursuing a career in the environment. But I think Lauren and Will highlighted some really important work being done, and it's having a positive environmental impact in a lot of different ways. And their work is really just the tip of the iceberg. You'll find links from the discussion in the show notes, as well as a link back to our website, ebcne.org. Please interact with the podcast on the various platforms out there, like, rate, review. Any interaction does help the podcast get out to more people. Next week is going to be the last in the series of interviews with Ascending Leader Award winners, and it will focus on how different educational choices might impact your career, and actually maybe those educational choices might matter less than you think. Join us next week. Energy Environment Economy is a production of the Environmental Business Council of New England. Thank you to EBC Administrative Coordinator Stephanie Sukar for editing the episode and managing the branding and marketing. And to EBC Fall Intern Hayden Adair for his research and wordsmithing. Music is only forward by Roman Senec Music 2023.